Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the recovery guy, and you have entered into the fix. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the Recovery Guy. It is good to be with you today. And I hope your week has started out well. I hope you have found a, a degree of comfort um, in your day uh, with your week starting out. I hope you're going in the direction that you want to go. Uh, one of the great things about recovery is we get to make adjustments along the way. And as we uh, get a little uncomfortable, maybe in our own skin or our environment or what have you, uh, with who we're with or what's being said or what's being done. We have the power to change that. One of the great things about personal recovery is we admit we are powerless, but after working the steps and recovering, we get to uh, take the power back. It is given to us, especially if you're a 12-stepper like me, or whether you come from a more uh, uh, confined or defined uh, religious platform. Uh, things aren't willy-nilly. <laughs> My kids uh, think that uh, phrase is humorous, but they just it's not happenstance. Uh, we are given power back, especially in, say, step 11. We sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood God, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. In step one, I admitted I was powerless over alcohol and my life had become unmanageable. And then as I work through the steps and I clear away the wreckage of my past and I have some clarity and develop a relationship with God as I understand God and, and ask uh, for people to forgive me after making the amends list and, and the defects of character and the shortcomings are worked on and all those things and I take the inventory and I get to step 11 and then I have the freedom in step 12 to go share this powerful message. That's power. Can you feel the energy? Um, I, I think if if I could, uh, if you could see the room right now, I think I think the lights got a little bit brighter as I was talking to you because energy has a way of increasing light, and I'm sure that you know that. You know, one of the most exciting things about this thing called recovery is that that's what it is. We recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, right? And why they wrote the, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, as it says, is to show us precisely how to do that. And so as we begin to take those steps um, one by one, one day at a time, we get to a place where we can have it all back. You know, just this last week, I heard some great news from my friend Eddie and uh, Fast Eddie. And, and, and as many of you have heard, Eddie was one of those giant 
of a friend who befriended me when I didn't think anyone cared or or when there was a motive, there was something tied to you caring about me, something I had that you wanted uh, that I most often wasn't willing to give away unless what I was giving back was of more value because that's how we live, right? We don't receive, we take. Uh, we don't give, we negotiate, right? And And so, that's where I was when I first met um, Eddie at the turning point back in February of 1986, coming out of treatment at the Nevada Treatment Center. And and I'll tell you what, what a lifelong friendship. 34 and a half years later, Eddie is still my friend. Eddie is still clean and sober. And just the other day, he had posted that buddy who is a, is a giant in recovery in my eyes. Um, let me tell you a little bit about Buddy. Buddy is so committed to recovery that when I met him, it was at a late lunch bunch meeting at 1230, Monday through Friday, at the Turning Point in Las Vegas, Nevada, and Buddy was chairing this meeting. Today, now a little COVID interruption, but today, if you're looking for Buddy, you can find him at a different club, but 1230, the late lunch bunch. Buddy just celebrated 44 years of personal recovery. Hats off to Buddy. Way to go. Way to set that example. Way to be that light. Way to be that encouragement for me that I know that if I was willing to do the things that you were willing to do, then I could have the things I want to have. Just like if you listened to my podcast last week, uh, Fit for a Lifetime, you know, talking about Zig Ziglar, if we do what we're supposed to do, when we're supposed to do it, there will come a time where we can do what we want to do, when we want to do it. And just like, once again, Scotty B is celebrating 14 years recovery. That just doesn't happen by accident, not for people like you and me. Let me share something with you. I, I'm I'm usually very scripted. I write all my own content, but I like to lay things out. As you know, I'm rather systematic. You know, every now and then a little ADD will catch me and I'll chase a rabbit. And and sometimes I don't even come back to the trail completely. Um, But normally I'm fairly scripted and I know where I'm going. Today, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I'm, I'm, I've been sort of caught off balance and and sometimes you celebrate with someone and then sometimes you you understand the reality of 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 this disease of alcoholism of drug addiction of of the type of addictions that you and I have this person also has a compulsive eating disorder and she is bulimic as well as as I was and so just recently she took her 30-day chip, and and my friend Debbie B and I were celebrating, and 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 she's really doing fabulous. And then, you know, I got a call yesterday saying that she she relapsed, and and she was in despair and wondering what value her life had, and 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 sometimes you just want to go and fix somebody, don't we? You know, and there's that codependency in me and my friend Susie DMD would say, stay away, you can't do that, right? Um, But sometimes you just want to go in because we know how the suffering is. I know what she's going through. Having been a person who did relapse and feel that disappointment and that despair and that discouragement, it's, it's such a trap for us. And, and, 
years ago, I heard this message and it was called the whole of no hope. I'll have to share it with you sometime. It's, it's so intriguing and so painfully true. The whole of no hope. And that's where this person is. And as she was sharing with me yesterday, she said, you know what, Robert, I don't understand how you got where you're at. I, I see your joy. I see your commitment. I see your energy. I just don't think I can do it. I'm, I'm fat. I'm uncomfortable. I don't like me. I, I don't think I, I can live. You know, I want more, but I'm not sure of how to get there. Just those conversations that, you know, as a person of recovery who works with people to the degree that you and I work with people, when we get those calls, we, we want to go in and just hug them and, and, and take away all the hurt and absorb all the negativity, but we can't, you know, we can't do it as much as we want to. That's not what our role is. What our role is, is to be people of compassion, to know where someone's coming from and be ready to lend a hand, ready to be that light in their darkness. And if they're willing to step up and hold on, we can walk them to the light, to the truth, to the power that we have found. Today's podcast is entitled, I Don't Know How to Live. And I don't even know how long the podcast will go. But I knew I needed to share this with you. What I do know is not knowing how to live kills more people of addiction than I care to count. In my three and a half decades, almost 34 plus years of doing this, I, I can't tell you how many people have left recovery and, and I've never heard from them again. Of all the addictions that, that I've had, right? You, you know I came in here just a mess. Came to Gamblers Anonymous before I ever went to my first AA meeting. I was a compulsive overeater. I was bulimic. I'd go to all the strip clubs in Las Vegas because I was addicted to pornography. I was a drug addict and an alcoholic, right? Of all that I had to recover from, and I have recovered from all those things, they all appeared to be a diversion to the real problem. And the problem was that I didn't know how to live. I, I didn't know how to receive, and I didn't know how to give. That's what Max Brooks taught me about the love disorder. Not knowing how to receive and not knowing how to give. The pain of being stuck in the middle was so great that I had to find a way to medicate and escape. As I became chronically addicted to the substances and to the behaviors, I learned that my escape was in reality my jail or my bondage. After my relapse of, of 71 days, 
I came back in April of 1986, and I came to believe that the addiction to the substances and behaviors was an aversion or diversion to what my real problem was. My real problem was that I did not know how to live. I had to solve that problem or I was going to die. Is this something that you've struggled with over time? We have a compulsion. We have an addictive behavior. When, when I was diagnosed back in the early 80s from Nevada Psychiatric Centers in, in Las Vegas, I forget the name of them, but it was over on Charleston Boulevard and it was the Psychiatric Centers Behavioral Sciences in, in Las Vegas. And the psychiatrist told me that I had addictive and compulsive disorder and his prognosis was I would never get well. Well, we, he was incorrect. He was correct in his diagnosis, but his prognosis was incorrect. And the only reason it was incorrect was that God humbled me on a particular day when I was at the end of my rope and I decided to let go. And I went into treatment and I walked into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. And even though I had one relapse, since April 25th of 1986, I've never left. And I came to believe that even with my physical allergy, the real problem was my obsession to drink because my physical allergy could never be overcome. It will permanently be stamped into my DNA that I can never safely on any level use alcohol or drugs again. So it's the mental obsession. It's learning how to live. You've heard before that it's not that we want to die because if I wanted to die, I would have died on a number of occasions through alcohol poisoning and drug overdoses. I accidentally came close to dying, but I never wanted to die. It's just that living was so painful. You know, when when I would do my fourth step with my sponsor Jack and I would go back to try to go back and and so many of you know my dad was alcoholic and and uh, my mom was codependent I was the middle of seven children we we were for all intents and purposes poor I mean I know people who were more poor um, we did have a roof over our head um, we had food but we were poor, and that's just the way it was. I, I, you know, you don't think about those things when you're young, when you're in the middle of it. But looking back and trying to understand why I felt I had to take, take, take because I never received, and and it's not that my mom and dad didn't 
tried to give me, even with my dad being alcoholic, it's just that there was something imbalanced about me. And I never learned how to receive. But anyway, I remember I remember laying in bed five, six years old as I would go back and try to remember. And and what I remembered was crying because I didn't understand why it hurt being me. I just didn't. I'm five or six years old. And I'm and I'm scared. And I feel alone, which is crazy because I've got six siblings. Who's <laughs> who's alone, right? In a in a I remember in LA in the Roosevelt Hotel on Bunker Hill, right next to Angel's Flight, you know. We had a we had a two room flat. The kitchen was was in my mom and dad's area where they slept, and then all us kids we 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 slept in one big room and then we had a little bathroom. And but I remember being afraid. Even back then I didn't know how to live. And I knew that I had to learn how to live if I was going to stand a chance to recover. And that is what the 12 steps of recovery allow us to do. You know, when my when my friend talked to me yesterday, and she was sharing these things with me. You know, my my response to her was, "There's a there's a noon meeting up in Bountiful, at the South Davis County Alano Club. I want you to go to the meeting. I know that I can't teach her. I can't give her." my way of living. She has to discover it for herself. But I know that's what her problem is. And the great things about the Rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and other 12-step and self-help groups, whether they're church or secular or what have you, just a group of people who are trying to learn how to live one day at a time. It says, remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful, Without help, it is too much for us. And it is. And it's not that we want to drink or use. It's just that we don't know how to live. You know, interesting story. I quit smoking cigarettes on November 17th of 1993. And I remember the date I was... I was in a Kmart parking lot in Victorville, California, buying some ammo for my handgun. Laura was with my mom dropping off the kids, and we were going away on a couple's retreat because at that time, Laura and I had been married almost four years, and and so much of you know my story. My marriage in the first few years wasn't a good marriage. Laura and I loved each other. I wasn't a bad guy. I was sober. I just didn't know how to love her, right? I, I hadn't learned that love was a verb <laughs> at this time. 
and it caused great pain in our marriage and our relationship. And thank God, Laura loved me for the right reasons because she hung around. And, and so here we were going to this couple's retreat and I knew that God was going to do something extraordinary at this retreat. And so I knew that cigarettes were a distraction. And, and, I, and on this particular property um, in California, just north of Bakersfield, uh, you can't smoke on this property. It's a smokeless property even back in 1993. And, and I knew that cigarettes would be a distraction. And I knew that if I was a smoker, I, I would be thinking in our sessions, in our counseling time, in our one-on-one time, I, I knew that I would be distracted by wanting to have a cigarette because, you know, I was smoking a pack and a half, two packs a day, you know, and I'm up, you know, maybe 16 hours, so... That's 40 cigarettes, right? <laughs> That's a lot of cigarettes in the course of a day in 16 hours. So I said to God in the parking lot there, I said, God, I need to be a non-smoker because here's my thinking. A former smoker, a smoker on the wagon, someone who's trying to quit, they think about smoking. But a non-smoker is a non-smoker. The last thing a non-smoker is thinking is, you know what, I think that Marlboro 100 would taste pretty good right now. And so I thought, why not use what I've learned in my recovery over alcohol and drugs the same way? So he said, God, I need you to make me a non-smoker and I need it to be now, right? And I put my cigarette out in that parking lot. That was November 17th, 1993, and I've never had a cigarette again. And I went to that retreat, and I learned how to save my marriage because that's what I was designed to do. And this is the type of resolve that I'm talking about. We need to decide we're going to learn how to live in order to not die. Now, obviously... You know, not smoking has done all sorts of other things for me in terms of health, right? Now there's not even when chest x-rays and other things, there's really no evidence of me having been a smoker. It's been so long. But you get what I'm saying. I needed to become something different. I needed to become a person who was more concerned with living because I didn't know how to live. And I certainly didn't want to die. So that is what we do in recovery. We come to this place where we have to reach out. And that is what these rooms of recovery are all about. The preamble of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I know I'm a big 12-stepper, and, and if you're not, that's okay, but this still makes sense to everyone. So if you're anti-12-stepper, not that involved, that's okay. But as Bill Wilson would say, contempt prior to investigation is a bar against all information and will lead to everlasting ignorance. 
So I'm not saying you have to accept everything I say, but understand why you're not accepting it if you're not. That's the only thing I'll ask of you. If you're not going to accept it, understand why you're not accepting it. But if there's a little bit that you can use, just a golden nugget out of the pile that I'm laying down, grab that, use that, make it your own. But we need to learn how to live one day at a time for the rest of our life. I love the three pertinent ideas, and I'm going to close with this today. I think it's appropriate. It gets done with the 12 steps. And it says there's three pertinent ideas. To make clear, three pertinent ideas. A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. That B, probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. And C, that God could and would if he were sought. Do you want to learn how to live? Seek God to your understanding. Call upon this power greater than yourself. Seek the wisdom of this power and live accordingly. Because once again, what we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual conditioning. I'll tell you, if you relapse or you're not happy in your sobriety and you haven't learned how to live, I'm going to ask you, where are you at with God? And this is not religion. This is any concept of God that you understand. That is why step two goes right from being powerless over alcohol and the unmanageability of our lives or drugs or food or whatever. And then step two is came to believe that a power greater than ourself could restore us to sanity. Some would say, I don't know how to live, but God could and would if he were sought. Thank you so much for indulging me today. Thank you so much for your amazing support. Go and find me at recovery underscore guy on Instagram. Go to recoveryguy.org. Find me on your favorite podcast channel. Find me on the Recovery Guy on Facebook. If you're in a position to donate to our recovery movement so I can help more people, go to the link for Patreon on our website. Go to patreon.com forward slash recovery guy or go on Venmo at Robert hyphen pardon hyphen three, the number three. Let us get this message out. Continue to support us. Let us know how we can be a blessing and an encouragement to you. And we can go from not knowing how to live to having a life that is beyond comprehension and understanding. And as always, my name is Robert. I am the Recovery Guy.